You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. And today we're going to look at this really uh, familiar passage called the Great Commission. Say the Great Commission. Commission. Now what's so great about the Great Commission? Uh, I think it's great because it, it has this great enormous weightiness for us as believers. And it's also great because it has had a tremendous impact on the history of mankind. It's great that we are called to participate in this great assignment and it's through us, his church, that God will accomplish his great mission to bring the good news of Jesus to the rest of the world. So the Great Commission, turn your Bibles to Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. And you'll notice in your Bibles, there's that header, that subheading called the Great Commission, but really the Bible never mentions the Great Commission. Uh, The scriptures, uh, writers never talk about the Great Commission. It's terminology that showed up about the 1600s, but you know the church and Jesus' disciples have been doing this for 1600 years and more, uh, even before we isolated this passage. But it is an important passage for us Uh, to isolate today, to remember, because some of us conveniently have forgotten about it, and instead we have uh, become very content with our own private and personal and individualized spiritual experience. And instead of living out the Great Commission, we've kind of made it the great omission in our life where it's my faith, it's just my faith that matters, it's just what can God do for me, what can church offer me, uh, what does pastor, uh, what can he do for me? How can God bless me? And, and the attitude sometimes when people come to church is, you know, I hope this service today blesses me. I hope, you know, we get this pastor or preacher and not that one. I hope we get this worship leader and not that one. I won't mention who it is, but, you know, some of you, some people come in with that attitude and they're like, man, I didn't have a good time at church today because none of my favorite folks were there. And I hope, you know, I hope that's, I know that's not you guys. It's probably the 11 o'clock folks, uh, right? (laughs) Uh, But regardless, we love you anyway. Whatever attitude you came in today that that you showed up with, we love you and we are here for you today. Um, But but we want to remind you why we even came to church this morning. So would you ask your neighbor, why did you come today? Why are you here? And the short answer to that, as we're going to learn this morning, is we're here because at one point in our life, somebody obeyed the Great Commission. Somebody shared Jesus with us. It might have been your parent. It might have been a Sunday school teacher, a pastor, a friend. Uh, It might have been, you know, just a random stranger that came up to you and shared the love of Jesus with you. And that's why you are here today. And as I reflect on my own childhood, I'm so grateful uh, that uh, my parents brought me to a place uh, like this where I grew up in in, in the midst of godly people who worshiped the Lord and who who taught the Bible. I've been a member of New Life since its inception. So I go back all the way to the very beginning of this church. And so if you've been in the membership class uh, you would have seen a video where um, you know, we, we talk about the history of new life and we just had one earlier this month and I was looking at the video, 
I was like, oh, that's me. I'm in this video. And, and so I just wanted to pull, pull out some pictures from that video uh, and show you guys. This work in here? Laser pointer works. Click. Okay. So this is 1981-ish, according to my mom. And PKB, that's Pastor Ken Bringus. And that's me, PKS, Pastor Ken Santos. So that's in front of our first New Life Church. Uh, it was the house. Remember, Pastor Ken talks about this house that, gets, that got shot up by gangs. Um, that's the house, and I was there. Um, I was Joseph in the play, and Pastor Ken was, a, I don't know what he was, a shepherd or, a, or God or someone else, right? Um, and, of course, going to New Life in L.A., uh, there's Pastor Thel, and that's me. And I was like, wow, I started really early in front, and I was probably saying a, a memory verse or, or something like that. And God prepared me from such a young age to be where I am today. And so I'm so thankful um, to my parents for placing me in these godly environments, right? And, and that was a vital part of my spiritual dis journey, my discipleship journey. Uh, I don't remember that many uh, sermons that I learned or, or Sunday school lessons, but I do know that the day-in, day-out consistent um, exposure to the Word of God and the people of God and the power of God is what uh, allowed me to become the disciple that I am today. So it's important for us families to expose our children to the members of Christ's family, to the people of God, to Jesus and his teachings. And so, so we need to do that for our families, amen? So that's me a long time ago. But praise the Lord. Remember who brought you uh, to the faith, who shared Jesus with you. And uh, if they're still alive, thank them for it. Um, and, and just remember why you're here today. All right, let's make disciples of Jesus, amen? amen? Matthew 28, 16 to 20 reads, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for your great commission. And we thank you for those who came before us, those who obeyed your commission so that we could be here today. We humbly receive your instructions, your assignment, and your calling upon our lives to make disciples. And Lord, we ask that you give us your power and your presence to live it out as your people. In your great name, we pray. And everyone said, amen. 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 So I just want to give you a quick recap of God's grand narrative. We went through the story, if you remember, like two years ago, three years ago. Um, but here's a really quick recap of what that looks like. In the beginning, God created everything, the universe, mankind, and he forms mankind into his own image. And mankind rebels. Sin enters the world and infects the world, separating man from a holy God. And all creation from that point forward spirals down into utter depravity. 
And then God reveals himself to a people, Israel. And he reveals himself through Israel to the world. But then Israel rebels and turns away from the living God and hope seems lost. But then God comes into the world through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, the son of God, comes to earth. He is called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And he came to dwell among us and he taught us what it means to be really human. He taught us how to live. He taught us how to live as citizens of the kingdom of God. And not only that, he humbled himself and carried out this divine rescue mission that would take him to the cross of Calvary where he would suffer uh, a painful death and torment. And then three days later, he rose again and he conquered sin death and hell so that all who believe in him like you and me would be forgiven and receive eternal life and we'd be reconciled back to, to right relationship with the father and so many of us are here today because God relentlessly pursued us with his love we were lost and now we are found and we find ourselves at this point of the story where, where we received the free gift of salvation through Jesus. We're back in the family of God. Our eternal destination is heaven. We're no longer children of darkness, but children of light. And that's good news for us, yes? yes. And you're glad that you are part of the family of God. And yet, many of us stop right there and, and think that's, that's, that's all there is to the Christian life. I'll pray the prayer, receive Christ, into my heart and I'm good, that's it, I'm saved. I get a ticket to heaven and fire insurance from hell. And I'm saved, I'm safe, and there's no need for me to be super Christian. There's no need for me to be you know, that holy. I just need to be good enough. I just need to have this kind of diet faith where I get all the benefits without too much of the commitment or devotion. But there's more to the Christian life than that because this faith and grace and love that's been poured into your life freely by the Lord Jesus Christ cannot stop with you it cannot ever end with us it needs to be given away it was always intended to be spread see there's a lot of room in this church and so we can fill this place with people it was intended to bring more people to the loving relationship with Jesus Christ so um, so, so Jesus gave his people a commission, an assignment. But we make excuses about this assignment, don't we? We think that the task of making disciples is, is only for the gifted ones, the pastors, the evangelists, uh, the, 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 the extroverts, not introverts like me. We think we have to, to have a certain level of Bible knowledge in order to share the gospel. And we think we have to be worthy enough to be used by God. But as we look at the Great Commission, I want us to notice the characters involved. Who does Jesus give the assignment to? So if we look again in Matthew 28, 16, it says the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Remember who received a word first that Jesus had risen from the grave? This is the women. The women visited the tomb. The tomb was empty. The angel told them, go tell the disciples to meet me in Galilee, to meet Jesus in Galilee. And then later on, Jesus tells the same women, go tell the brothers to meet me 
in Galilee. Galilee is where it all started. Galilee is where Jesus called his first disciples. Who were they? They were fishermen, James and John, Peter and Andrew. Uh, They were common, ordinary folk. And he chose these ordinary people, and even some with sketchy backgrounds like Judas and, 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 and Matthew. And for three years, these followers of Jesus listened to his teachings and witnessed his authority and his power as he'd performed miracle after miracle. And now the 11 disciples returned to the place where it all started, to Galilee. Now there's only 11 of them, plus the women and a few others, but it, it mentions the 11 disciples, not 12, because of course Judas was dead. He betrayed Jesus and then he hung himself. But we think Judas is the only bad disciple or the, the only messed up one. Peter was there, you know what Peter did, right? denied Jesus three times. And the other 10, they abandoned Jesus when he was arrested in Gethsemane. So all of them were kind of messed up. And Matthew tells us that when these disciples saw Jesus, they worshiped him. Now you would too if you saw the risen Lord. But it also inclu- he also includes three words, but some doubted. But some doubted. Now how often have we come to church with a heart that was, was wanting to worship God, but also had some doubt, doubting my own worthiness to worship him. You see, when the disciples encountered the risen Lord, um, their natural response was worship. This was their master who endured a horrendous trial, suffering, and death on the cross, and he did what he said he would do. He rose again three days later, And seeing that Jesus was alive and well, they bowed down. They worshiped him. But in the midst of that worship was doubt. And this doubt wasn't like doubting Thomas, which I guess you guys learned last week. It wasn't an unbelief, but it was more of a hesitation. It was more of, uh, I don't know if I'm even worthy enough right now to worship the risen Lord. Because not too long ago, what did they do? They abandoned him. They forsook their Lord. And so maybe their, 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 their doubt... Uh, was because they were wondering what Jesus was going to tell them. So play this out with me. Maybe if you had just abandoned your Lord and he comes back from the dead and he's like, I'm about to tell you something, your doubt would be, I wonder if he's going to um, reprimand us. Maybe these disciples were waiting for Jesus to tell them, guys, I can't believe you did that to me. I told you, I told you I was going to rise again, but you all ditched me, and you all left me hanging, and now Judas betrayed me, and he's literally hanging, Um, and Peter, you denied me three times, and the rest of you aren't any better. You ditched me. You you, you abandoned me. You're messed up, But, but Jesus doesn't do that, does he? He doesn't lay a verbal smackdown on them. He doesn't criticize them for their failures. He doesn't rebuke them for their uncertainty and doubt. Instead, he gives them a very important, critical assignment. Entrusting the gospel to spread to the world through these ordinary and flawed men and women who perhaps doubted their own worthiness to be his disciples. And so some of us come to church on Sundays with both worship and doubt. We worship God like we did earlier this morning, but we doubt what God can do in and through us We sing praise to our king, but we 
are uncertain about our position as citizens in his kingdom. And it's no wonder why it's so easy for us to make excuses about living out the Great Commission. It's because we feel unworthy to carry it out. It's not for me. Jesus didn't commission me. He commissioned the super-Christian, the pastor, the evangelists, the teachers. But no, he commissioned the ordinary, the common folks, those with weaknesses. Why? So that his strength would be magnified in their weakness. You see, the commission would hinge on two realities of the resurrection. We're talking about living out the resurrection. And there's two realities of the resurrection that allow us to to act on the Great Commission. The Great Commission hinges on two realities. Christ's authority, say Christ's authority, authority. and Christ's presence, say presence. So the commission go and and make disciples, it's sandwiched between the two realities of the resurrection, Christ's authority and his presence. Because apart from these two realities, this assignment would be impossible. In fact, Matthew, it's amazing how Matthew writes, he sets up this last passage uh, in his book by telling about uh, how impossible it was gonna be for the disciples to even carry out this great commission. Uh, remember earlier the guards are at the tomb they were they were positioned there to guard the tomb and the angel rolls the stone away and the guards feared for their lives they freaked out and they told the chief priests you know what happened the 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 stone just rolled away we don't know what to do and the chief priests to their surprise gave them money hush money and told them look this is the story you're gonna perpetuate you're gonna tell people The disciples stole the body. The disciples stole the body. That's the cover-up. And so Jesus tells his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. Oh, by the way, when you go to all these places, they're going to hear conflicting rumors that you guys are lying and that you guys were the ones who stole the body. But you still got to tell people that I'm alive. You got to tell people about the kingdom of God uh, you got to tell people that, 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 that I'm here. Impossible mission, right? But that's where the beauty of the Great Commission, uh, as it hinges on these two realities, uh, the, the authority of Christ and the presence of Christ. You see, all these disciples could have had a bigger excuse. It's impossible to do this because of what people are saying. We stole the body. But for us, And for them, there is no excuse because we can live out the Great Commission through Christ's authority and his presence. So I'm gonna just lay out three reasons why we can live out the Great Commission. So the first one is we can live out the Great Commission because we have Christ's authority. Jesus came to them and said, all authority, say all authority, authority. in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The word all dominates uh, this passage. It ties these verses together. So if you have your Bibles, you can find four times in this passage where we see the word all. All authority, all nations, all things or everything I have commanded you, and then all the days or always. So four times uh, Matthew uses the word all because God gave Jesus authority over heaven and earth, over all things. Nothing is outside of his sovereign control. Now, 
Jesus could have taken the shortcut. Remember in the beginning of Matthew, Satan tempts Jesus in the wilderness and tells him, uh, I'll offer you the kingdoms of the world and all its splendor if you would bow down and worship me. But Jesus didn't do that. He resisted Satan and he went through the cross instead. And it is through the cross because of Jesus' obedience that God gave Jesus authority over heaven and earth. And it is through his authority that we have authority to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. Uh, Jesus gave his disciples authority earlier in Matthew uh, when they just went on this local mission uh, to the people. He said, Jesus, it says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And so we too have the authority to drive out the enemy, to bring wholeness and healing to this lost and dying world because of the authority that we have in Jesus. Not your own authority, not your own status, not your own strength or skill, but only by Christ's authority. It's only our authority when Jesus gives it to us. And you know what? He does give it to us. And there's one word that tells us that Jesus gave us his authority uh, in the Great Commission. And that word is therefore. Say therefore. therefore. Jesus says, I've been given all authority, therefore. And whenever you read the word therefore, Find out what it's there for. It's there because it signals that Jesus is giving an assignment. He's giving us something, th something important to do. He's about to commission his disciples with his authority. It's like the mayor of a town. He gives the, the sheriff a badge. Bless you. He gives a badge to the police officers. That badge has no power in, it, in and of itself. It's the authority behind that badge from the one who is authorized to give up his authority. That's why the sheriff can enforce the law. That's why a police officer, because he holds his badge, it's not because of the gun he has, it's because of the badge and the authority behind that badge that he's able to enforce the law. And so Jesus says, I have authority and I'm giving my authority to you. I'm giving a mission for you. And what is that mission? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. The mission is to make disciples. That's the main verb. That's the main command. Make disciples. Go pretty much just means wherever you go, as you go, because we're going somewhere. We're always going somewhere, whether it's to our, uh, our schools, our places of work, our neighborhoods, uh, missions overseas. Wherever you go, whether it's local or abroad, the command is make disciples. It means instructing others how to follow Jesus, to submit to his lordship, to take up his mission of compassionate service, to be a disciple means to enter a relationship with Jesus as learner, and he is our master. And it's a lifelong learning relationship with Jesus. And that can happen even before somebody uh, gets converted, quote unquote. Because we, we kind of put evangelism and discipleship as two separate, distinct things. They're not, they're, they're together. Evangelism and discipleship go together. They both take place before and after someone fully commits 
to Jesus. Because you can start discipling someone who's an unbeliever by pointing them in the right direction, pointing them to Christ, sharing your story with them. And they can be exposed to the things of God and learning about Jesus before they make that commitment to fully follow him. And so we don't wanna just make them converts. We wanna make them disciples. So the goal is even after they convert, become a Christian, that they still need to be evangelized. They still need to hear the gospel. That's why some, we, we go to church on Sundays. Whether If we're saved already, we still wanna hear the gospel message because there are pockets and areas in our life that still need to be redeemed. There are areas in our life that we need to give up to the Lord. And so we need to hear the gospel and be evangelized, whether we come to Christ 20 years ago or yesterday. I wanna hear the good news that Jesus Christ can redeem every aspect and area of my life. So you're here today, even though you've been a Christian for a very long time, you, you need to hear the gospel and respond to the gospel and give Jesus that part of your life, right? And so, so make disciples, not just converts of all nations. Uh, all nations is important because Jesus was talking to a bunch of Jews at the time. And the, the reality is this group is going to extend the kingdom of God to the rest of the world. And so aren't you glad that the gospel has gone out to the Gentiles? Because I don't know about you, but I'm a Gentile. I'm not a Jew. I'm a Gentile, and many of us here are. And it's because Jesus gave these disciples the command to go and make disciples of all nations that we are here today as Gentiles believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right, so we are called to, to take the gospel to all nations, all people groups, um, young and old. Uh, it doesn't ha- mean a nationality, it doesn't mean a localized nation, it means people groups, different people, people who aren't like you and me. We are a multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multi-everything type of church, and so that's what we're called to do, make disciples of all people. We're to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is important because it unites a believer with Jesus Christ. To baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit affirms the reality of the Trinity. Jesus didn't say baptize them into the names of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but the name, one name, one God. And the church, we are here to help facilitate baptism of disciples we just did that on friday what a wonderful service we had when people publicly declared their faith in jesus it's a visible sign of an inward work in their life and baptism can be a huge tool for spreading the gospel because people will see that christ has done an amazing thing in your life you are a living testimony of jesus's authority and his presence and so if you missed out this past Friday, again, bring, come, on, come to Norwalk next month. You can get baptized. If, if you can't make either of those dates, let us know. We'll baptize you in a pool. We'll baptize you, you know, wherever, it, wherever you need to be baptized. Um, we'll try to make that happen. But that's what the church is for, to help facilitate baptisms. All right? Secondly, so we can live out the Great Commission because we, because we have one Christ. Uh, authority, and secondly, we can live out the Great Commission because we have Christ's pres- uh, teaching. Number two, we have Christ's teaching. Verse 20, teaching them to obey everything 
I have commanded you. What do we teach our new disciples? Well, we teach them what Jesus taught. Where do we get Jesus' teachings? In the Bible. Matthew, um, it's amazing how Matthew is, is structured because he emphasizes Christ's authority and Christ's teachings. So there's about, there's years worth of teachings just in the book of Matthew. So if you wanna just take Matthew and go through the Sermon of the Mount and and all of Jesus' teaching is there, his parables, there's a ton of material that we can use and unpack to study, to learn more about Jesus. Um, He teaches about prayer, the kingdom of God, money, the last days. He teaches all these things and he shows his authority by performing miracles, healing, deliverance, and resurrection. There's a lot that we can teach and a lot that we can learn from Jesus. But see, we're not just to teach it. We are to teach them to obey the commands of Jesus. So many of us need to teach by example. As we're obeying our children, people around us will see that we are living out what we are learning, right? So learn from Jesus and live it out. Finally, we can live out the Great Commission because we have Christ's presence. He said, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, to the consummation of the age, till the the day that Jesus comes back. Matthew bookends his gospel with this idea of presence. In the beginning of his gospel, he said, you will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then here at the end, Jesus says, I am with you. I will be with you always, even until the very end of the age. And so how is he gonna be with us till the end of the age? He's gonna send his Holy Spirit. And you're gonna learn that next week. Um, But in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we're not alone church the empowering presence of the holy spirit is going to be given to us and when the holy spirit came on those believers on the day of pentecost they were transformed they were changed so that the movement of jesus christ the movement of god's kingdom started spreading rapidly from jerusalem into judea into samaria and to the ends of the earth ultimately from age to age until we until us today the gospel has spread to today. And so we are commissioned to take this gospel to the next generation, from this place to another place, from one people group to another. It's not a suggestion, it is the great commission. Now, we come to church on Sundays and it's wonderful, but this, what we do here isn't the great commission. It's kind of part of it, but if you brought someone who's new, then yeah, that's part of it. But what we do here on Sunday is kind of like a huddle. It's a huddle in the middle of a game. The huddle is part of a game, but it isn't the game. Nobody goes to the game and cheers people who are huddling. Players don't celebrate the fact that they had an awesome huddle. The huddle prepares players to win the game. And Sunday mornings, folks, are our huddle but they're not the main point of our Christian lives because we need to take what we learn here, out those doors, and execute it 
to the world around us. We need to take the word of God and obey it when we leave this place. But remember, we're a team. We're not alone. We have this team called New Life to help each and every one of us. But New Life has a team of all these churches and all these believers and all these people of God. And you know what? These folks are in your workplaces, at your schools. These folks are in your neighborhood. And you can team up with them to carry out the Great Commission. So huddle up with people who want to share the gospel. Huddle up with them and execute the game plan to go and make disciples. Amen? Amen. Finally, I want to show a video um, it's from Right Now Media. We've been talking to you about this resource. And uh, there's so much teaching there about how to do missions, evangelism, discipleship, and I hope all of you can take advantage of this resource that we're making available. Um, just let us know that you want it. It's free for you. Um, send us an email. Say, I want to get in on this. Um, and, and when you open it up, you'll notice it's, there's a lot. It's like Netflix for um, Bible study. Um, and so there's a lot of good stuff there uh, that can help you grow in your walk with the Lord. And it can help you as life groups to share your faith. All right, so watch this video and we'll conclude our time today. Suppose there was a group who set out for a fishing trip. The group was led by a guide who they trusted would lead them to fish. fish He led them to water, but the group became full of excuses for why they couldn't fish. Some people came on the trip dressed the part and full of great fishing stories, but never seemed to do anything. Some claim they did not have the heart for fishing. I can't fish. Hooking a worm? It's just too cruel. But you know it's a rubber worm, right? Some said the work should be left to those whom were more skilled in the art of fishing. Carl, he's really good at casting. Shouldn't he be doing all the fishing? No, no, you can do it. It's really simple. Look, some claim that fishing was not their gift. Hey, uh, uh, fishing's really not my thing. In fact, it scored a zero on my spiritual gifts test, so... No, we could still really use your help. Before the guide could finish, Carl interrupted him. I think I got one! Hey, great! You mind helping out with some of the others? No, it's okay. Carl was more impressed with catching fish on his own than he was in helping people out, like... Greg here. I got a small problem here. My line's a little tangled up. Oh, my goodness. How in the world did that... Some of the people fishing said they just didn't have time to fish. Matt, where are you going? Oh, yeah. I, I have an appointment. Um, it's a thing that's going around. It's, it's okay. I got, a, I got a stick. It's doing great. It's great. Whoa. Oops. And some people, well, they just had problems. Hey, uh, my hook's caught on something. What's it caught on? If everyone did their part, imagine the fish that could be caught. Would you stand with me? If everyone did their part, imagine all the fish that would get caught. And so I commission you today, the Lord is commissioning us all today to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded us.
It's a great weighty commission. But because of Christ's authority and his presence, we can do it. So would you pray with me, Jesus? Thank you for this great commission. Indeed, the reason we're here today is because of those who came before us and lived out your mandate to make disciples. Folks like Pastor Thel, Pastor Ken Bringus, our parents, our teachers, our friends, those who brought us to Christ. Thank you for their obedience. And for us today, we ask that you will give us your authority and your presence to obey your great commission, to take it seriously so that others can come to know you. Lord, help us to be disciple makers. Help us to recognize your authority and your lordship over all. Help us experience the reality of your enduring presence, that you're always with us wherever we go so that we can share your life-changing gospel to this world. Make us bolder witnesses for your great name. Bring people into your kingdom through us. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. And everybody said, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. Feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission. For more information, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.